is Jesus calling me? What do you think the answer to that is? Okay, you, you, what is that punctuation at the end of Y-E-S? No, what is that punctuation? Tell me what it's called. Exclamation point. You did not exclaim. So let's try it again. Because this is the whole basis of this next four weeks of our series. Is God calling me? Oh, y'all got it. If I'm 50, is God calling me? If I'm 6, 16, or 66, is God calling me? Our theme verse is going to come from the book of Ephesians. Paul, I need to set this up for you. Paul is in a Roman prison. We think he's in a Roman prison. We know he's in prison. We think it was in Rome. We think it was around 60 or 61 AD. Paul is about to lose his life. Not yet, but he's eventually going to lose his life. But he's not worried about his own life. He's not worried about the trial before Nero, who was a horrible person to begin with, but even worse to Christians. Paul was worried about the people at the Ephesian church. All of the, all of the churches that he started, he was worried about them. So he writes this letter from a prison cell in Rome, and he wrote these words. Therefore, this is four, chapter 4, verse 1, Ephesians 4, 1. Therefore, I, talking about Paul, a prisoner for the Lord. And what is that word? He says, I beg you. You got to get this. Sitting in a prison cell, eventually he's going to lose his life because of Christianity, because he's a follower of Christ. And he's going, people in Ephesus, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. And when I think about this passage, I'm saying, people of new life, I'm begging you. Come on, we got to get this. I'm begging you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul's like, come on. You've been called by God, so you need to live like you've been called by God. So I want you to look at someone and say, I want you to say, you have been called by God. Now I want you to look at your second choice and say, you have been called by God too. Now, some of you are going to say, called to do what? And I'm just going to say, don't get ahead of the preacher. <laughs> Instead, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat these phrases after me. We're going to do it a couple of times. First time, just so you get used to it. Second time, so that you'll mean it. I want you to pray this to God. By the power of your word and the presence of your Holy Spirit, would you stir up your divine calling in all of us today? And would you please begin with me? Now that you've practiced, let's pray it like we mean it. I'll say it, you repeat after me. By the power of your word and the presence of your Holy Spirit, Would you stir up your divine calling in all of us? And would you begin with me? Do you know, I was, I was reading this week and I read that the number one, one of the number one choices of jobs, careers, vocations for teenagers, kids and teenagers today is social media influencer. Content creator. I just have a question. Is anybody here TikTok famous? We actually have one person in the room who has had more than one million views on a TikTok video. It's my son. (laughs) And it's for cleaning a sidewalk. It's so so nice to watch that little, you know, that big old washer. He's got over a million views on, on TikTok. It is so satisfying watching it clean, right? But he's TikTok famous. 
Now, my question is, how many of you are called by God to be TikTok famous? I'm going to say nobody. I doubt that anybody here. I don't want that to be what we're focused on when we talk about influence. I actually read a, a, an article. I still have it up on um, one of my pages, and it says it's called The Dark Side of Being a Content Creator. And they talk about how very, very few people ever make it. And, and there's no money. And so a lot, what a lot of content creators do is they just put their content out there for free. And if it's any good, some big business swoops in and takes it and uses it. And you don't get any compensation. And they said that leads to all kinds of stress, which leads to suicides, which leads to mental health issues, all because somebody didn't get paid. And so there actually is a book. From this research, there's a book. And it's called Not Getting Paid to Do What You Love to Do. And they're talking about content creation. They're talking about being an influencer on the internet. Well, we're not talking about influencing anybody that way. We're talking about living a life worthy of your calling. So if we're going to live this life and not worry about the internet, maybe we need to understand what it means to be called by God. The word called comes from the Greek word kaleo. So this is on your listening guide. Kaleo means to call. Uh, How many of you have ever heard in your life from a pulpit, Sunday school, Bible study, whatever, that you have been called by God to do something? Anyone heard that? Okay, if you've heard that, how many of you would say, I have been living a life worthy of the calling from God? I'm waiting. Hmm. Now, I wrote this in, if you saw this on Facebook, I actually wrote this in our little description of the new series. Have you ever missed a call from someone? And, and like, I don't know what's up with my phone. I think I sweat profusely, and so I think moisture and the iPhone do not work well. So a lot of times my phone will ring, and it's sitting right next to me, but it doesn't make a sound. And I don't know until I pick it up, and it'll say, missed call from Caleb or from Rachel or from Janie or whatever. Well, when you see a missed phone call, what do you do? If the person is important to you, you call them back. If they're not important to you, what do you do? You ignore it. Are you ignoring your call from God? I think the answer is yes. It seems logical that if you've been called by God, that it's possible to miss God's call. And I was thinking about my life. Uh, so I actually went to Baylor University. I, I, I applied to Baylor. I was accepted to Baylor. And I never even stepped foot on campus until six months after I had been accepted to Baylor. Go figure that one out. I was just like, I was like, that's a pretty good school, and it's a long way away from my mom. That was kind of how I made that decision. And so when mom and I went, we signed up for my classes. First time that I, I stepped on foot on college, and I got to thinking, what if I went to the wrong college? What if I, what if I studied the wrong thing, which I did my first semester? I was an electrical engineering major at Baylor. There was a, like four and a half people in the electrical engineering department because, you know, th- that wasn't what Baylor was known for. And it lasted one semester. I actually did. I, I studied the wrong thing because a year before that at youth camp, I felt God calling me to give my life to ministry. And I came home and I stood up in front of my church and I said, I think God's calling me to ministry. And so it only makes sense if God called me to ministry one year before that I should study electrical engineering at Baylor, right? Makes a lot of sense. 
What I wish someone had taught me is what I want to teach you today and over these next few weeks. This literally can be and it should be life-changing for you. Because I want to know, has anyone ever asked the question, what does God want me to do? Anyone ask that question? God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to tell you that most of the time that is the wrong question. And if you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers, which means you make the wrong decisions for your life. So today, as we're talking about God's calling, the first thing I want you to realize is God's calling is about who before do. I want you to say who before do. I want you to say it a little better than that. Who before do. When it comes to God's calling, it is always about who you're becoming before it is about what you're doing. And then I put that little word down there with an exclamation point, always. And I want you to say always when I finish this. When it comes to God's calling, it is always about who you are becoming before it is about what you are doing. When? Always. Always. Thank you for playing. Nobody told me that. See, way too many people worry about do before who. Do you know what we call doers before whoers? I'm just making these words up as I go. Do you know what we call doers before whoers, especially in the church? You know what we call them? Quitters. Burnouts. We say they used to be in ministry. They used to have a position. They were all worried about do and not worried about who, and they are no longer what they used to be. God has something to say about that. Paul was writing to a young pastor, Timothy, and Timothy, we think, got discouraged kind of easily, and so Paul wrote a couple of letters to him. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes this to this young pastor. For God saved us and called us, and I'm just stopping there because this is the way we go. At least in the Baptist church that I grew up in, God saved us and called us, for example, to be a missionary to Haiti. Is that, do you think that's what the, word, the Bible says? Does it have a missionary to Haiti in this scripture? No. That may be the case, but that's not what God is calling to you, you to do at this point. It doesn't say God saved us and called us to be a second grade teacher or a pastor or a banker or a physical therapist. The call of God is not to a task or a vocation. The call of God is a who before a do. Let's see what Paul actually says to this young pastor. For God saved us and called us to live what kind of life? Oh my goodness. It's a who before do. He called us to a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was whose plan? Ah, oh, there's the problem. I want to do my plan. That's why I'm interested in doing before whoing. Because I want my plan. And really, that's the middle letter of sin. We talk about this in our, in our 101 class, in our membership class. The big problem is sin. What's the middle letter of sin? It's the letter I. I want to do what I want to do. I want my plan. And God says, you're not big enough. Your plan is, <laughs> quite honestly, your plan is not worth living for and not worth dying for. But his plan. This was his plan from, beginning, from the beginning of time. Our plan is do before who. God's plan is what? Who before do. I surprised you. Our plan is do before who. God's plan is what? It was his plan from, from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. In order for us to be whoers before doers, 
God calls us to a specific kind of life, and we just said it there. He called us to a holy life, and holy means set apart. All right, what does that mean? We're to be different than the world. We're not to act like, talk like, dress like, do business like the world. We are set apart. God never talks about the Bible, never talks about what you're supposed to do for your career. What the Bible repeatedly talks about is your calling to become like Jesus. You are called to live a holy life, and so Paul says, I'm begging you to live a life worthy of the calling that you receive from God. It's who before do. So here's the wrong question. What am I called to do? The right question is who am I called called to become? Let me explain why this is such a big deal. So you may or may not agree that I'm called to be a pastor. I think I am. Been doing it a while, but I I think I am. So I'm not even going to ask you whether you agree or not because it might hurt my feelings. So I believe I've been called by God to pastor, but I've also been married for 30 some odd years, 31 years. And so I'm also called by God to be a husband. And then because I like my wife, we have children. I'm called to be a father. And now because my children like their spouses, I'm called to be a grandfather, right? Each one of those tasks requires a different set of skills. Would you agree? Let's say that Janie and I are having an animated discussion. Now, you know, and I actually taught this when we were at Lake Charles at Mount Olive. When I'm preaching, sometimes I say, you know, if I say something profound, I kind of want you to get involved and say, I know that's right, baby. Thank you. Or, or you've heard me say this. I actually said this a couple of weeks ago when we did the the what about Bob in, in uh, in, in summer blockbusters. Remember, I, I, I was preaching along, and, and I said, so if you can't say amen, or you, if you can't say, I know that's right, baby, some of you ought to say, ouch. And some of you said, ouch. It's one of my favorite parts of that movie, when, when the psychiatrist says to him, you're the reason that you're divorced, and he goes, ow, ow. I love that part of the movie. Janie and I are having an animated discussion, and I say, if you can't say amen, you might as well just say, Ouch. I think I would be the one saying ouch if I use that in an animated discussion with my wife. Are you with me? Some of you didn't catch that. Maybe you should just say, I know that's right, baby. Just come on. I don't think that's coming out of my wife's mouth during our discussions. Or let's say that I'm talking to one of my adult children. And I try to go preacher on them. You just need to repent. You should fall on your knees and cry out, God, please be the forgiver of my sin. You have sinned against me. You need to pray to God. How how is that going to go with my adult children? Or my grandson. I got two now. I got one on the way. I'm going to have three grandsons. What if I treated my adult children like I treat my grandson? I couldn't walk for one thing because I'm always carrying that boy. One of his favorite things is to run on the chairs. Me and Caleb. Let's go, Caleb. Let's run on the chairs in the worship center. (laughs) Exactly. So my role as pastor, husband, dad, granddad is going to be played out in very different ways. Correct? What is way more important than my role 
is the life I live. Are you with me? If I live a life worthy of God's calling, it's going to impact everything I do. Because it's who before do. So let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible for someone, (laughs) not me, for someone to preach a good sermon who is not living a holy life? Is that possible? I don't think it's possible over a long period of time, but it is possible, right? You could come in, not know somebody, and they could preach a sermon. You go, man, that was a good sermon. Then you find out they're not living a holy life. It doesn't matter how good the sermon was. If they're not living a holy life, they're not living out their calling, right? If you're a husband, if you're a business person, Sunday school teacher who is not living a holy life, you are not fulfilling your calling. You can be a really respected, successful business person financially, but if you have no integrity, you're not fulfilling your calling. That is not living a holy life. You see, God's not nearly as worried about what's in the future. Here's what God's calling is about. It's about faithfulness today. Here's how I know this. Paul said this to the church at Colossae, Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do, see, it doesn't matter what you do. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if you're a teacher, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you're a banker, physical therapist, if you work at Volcraft, at Nalcom, Eagle Railcar, I just was going through the people who I saw at the wedding last night. That's where I got all of these things. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because here's what you need to understand about God's calling. It is is never about a specific task. When you're holy, set apart for God, then whatever you do, doesn't matter what you do. Whatever you do, you do it for God. When you aren't living a worthy life, then you're going to be like these two brothers that we're about to look at in Mark chapter 10. The brothers are James and John, and some of you already know this. Um, Jesus gave James and John, sons of Zebedee, he gave them a nickname. What is their nickname? Sons of Thunder. Brothers, sons of thunder, okay? The sons of thunder decided that they needed to ask Jesus for a favor. Do you remember what it was? When you come into your kingdom, when you are on the throne in heaven, Jesus, can we sit on your right and on your left? Doesn't matter which of us is on your right and which is on your left. And actually, if you go back to Matthew, you find out that the sons of thunder didn't even make the request themselves. It was their mommy. Mommy said, hey, Jesus, my boys should be most important. Can they sit on your right hand and on your left hand? Can they be 1A and 1B? I don't care who's A and B, just as long as they're number one. We want people to see that we're important, that we're most important. (laughs) Now, let me show you how absurd this question is. Because right before their request, Jesus pulls all of his disciples aside. Okay, So, so this hasn't come up yet. Jesus pulls his disciples aside and says, Hey, guys, it is time to go to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be rejected, flogged, mocked, spit upon, and killed. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Immediately after this, can we be the most important in your kingdom? Sorry, you're going to be mocked and spit on and and crucified and killed. Sorry, can we be 1A and 1B? Does that seem ridiculous to you? So Jesus, the other disciples hear about it. This, I'm making this up. I don't know. But I think the other disciples become indignant because they didn't think of it first. Oh, shoot, I missed my opportunity. 
And they get mad. And so Jesus pulls them all aside and he says, my kingdom is very, very different. He said, you want to be a leader in my kingdom? You better serve. And then he says that phrase that, that I don't think we fully understand. He says, you want to be first? You need to be what? Last. I just thought of Ricky Bobby. You ain't first, you're last. Sorry, that has nothing to do with the sermon. It's just my mind. So Jesus says, here's why you need to be a servant. Here's why you need to be last. He tells us this. He tells us why in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, now the Son of Man is his messianic title. He's going back to Daniel. Daniel, when he talked about the Son of Man, he was seeing a vision of the risen, glorified Messiah. And Jesus is using that for himself. He says, for the Son of Man, the Messiah, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Guys, he's saying, guys, this, it's who before do. Your position is irrelevant if you're not living a life worthy of the calling of God. Now, that's all in Mark chapter 10. <laughs> I had a lady years and years ago. This reminded me of this as I was studying this week. This lady comes up to me and she said, you need to announce from the pulpit that I'm the leader of the women's ministry. I said, oh, really? Why? And she said, because then, then people will believe that I'm the leader of the women's ministry. I said, you become the right kind of leader? You won't have to tell anyone. And I certainly won't have to stand up in front of the church and go, hey, guys, she's the leader. Do you understand how stupid that is? If you got to tell somebody that you're in that position, you probably aren't really in that position. Now, at the end of chapter 10, Jesus says this, and then in chapter 11, we're going to come to what is called the triumphal entry. It's that time when, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's the last week of his life. At the end of the week, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to rise on the, on the third day. But the triumphal entry is when Jesus, when the people are just, they're waving palm branches, they're throwing down their cloaks, and they're screaming out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, when we get to chapter 11, that's going to happen in verse 7. But before verse 7, Jesus gives them this massive object lesson. And I want you to see, it's an object lesson about serving, right? So you got the whole idea. Can we be first? If you're going to be first, you're going to be last. Um, indignant. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Give my life a ransom for many. Here's the object lesson. Verse 1 of chapter 11. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. So this is just, Bethany is less than a mile, about a mile, mile and a half from Jerusalem. So right before he's going to come into um, the, the triumphal entry. Jesus, look, Jesus sent two of them. How many? Now, we don't know which two. It doesn't matter which two. It would not surprise me someday to find out that this was James and John. But all the disciples needed this because the disciples were always fighting over who's the greatest. They had this spirit of competition. Whoever these two were, I think they're probably thinking, hey, we just had this discussion about great in the kingdom of heaven, and he chose us. Can you imagine? Right? All of us are hanging out with Jesus, and he goes, hey, you two, come here. I got an assignment for you. If it's me and Robert, high five. He chose us. Yeah. 
And then look what he says to them to do. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and we will return it soon. Now, they just talked about who's the greatest. Then we're chosen. These two are chosen. High five. Yay. And then they go, donkey duty? You're calling us to donkey duty? Come on, Jesus. Isn't that beneath someone of my skill set? I want to do something important for you. I want to know what I'm called to do. I want an assignment equal to my ego. Does that ever happen in a church? That's beneath me. If something's beneath you, you had not been at the foot of the cross. These two disciples, whoever they were, they're about to learn a very, very important lesson. And here it is. God's calling is never about the size of your assignment. It's about the size of your heart. Shriveled hearts do not serve. The size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. Remember a little shepherd boy named David in the Old Testament? All he was doing was taking a charcuterie board to his brothers at the battle line. And all of a sudden, God thrusts him into a place where people say, that boy can be king someday. What about that little, little boy in the New Testament who, who handed his Hebrew happy meal to Jesus? And Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish, and he turns it into something that feeds 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. See, it doesn't matter the size of the assignment from the king. What matters is the assignments from the king. Whatever you do, even if it's donkey duty, or if it's diaper duty, or if it's toilet duty, do it for the glory of God. Because these two disciples, even if they thought, oh, it's donkey duty, they had no idea that they were delivering the vehicle that would bring Jesus into his reign as king. He sat on a donkey nobody had ever ridden on, and that was one of the signs that that a king was coming. See, when your life is not about your name or your fame or your status online, but it becomes about the one who gave his life for you, who, sh- who suffered, who shed his blood, who gave his life and rose again so that you could be forgiven, your sins washed away, you could be filled with the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. When everything you do is for the glory of God, you don't have to find your calling. Your calling will find you. It's all about who before do. Something as meaningless as getting an uber donkey for Jesus becomes incredibly meaningful because it's done for the one who gave his life for you. So this whole first sermon, I hope you remember this. You're called to be a who before a do. You're called to become like Jesus, and Jesus saw the needs around him. Do you? Do you see the person that's hurting that may not have anyone else to talk to? Or you like the lady in the video, oh, she's weird. I got news for you, so are you. That book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. Ain't nothing normal about Washburns. <laughs> if you think we're normal, you just don't know us. I was actually listening. I was playing golf the other day, and I have my 
my AirPods in and I was listening to a pastor talk about this. And I was not playing golf. I was actually looking for golf balls. Because <clears throat> I heard there's a dude out there that has as many as I do, and I, that, that just can't be. <laughs> and so I was, I was in a place where you shouldn't be, because I know this dude ain't going there. So that's, that's how I'm going to beat him, because I'll go places he won't go. I got scratches. I got a big old rip on my hand. I got scratches on my ankles, but I'm going to have more golf balls. <laughs> so I'm walking around in this place where... Smart people don't go. And this pastor said, you might be called to pray for a child that continues to run from God. I said, that's me, God. I got one of those. I started crying. Live a place where nobody should be. You might be called by God to confess some sin in your life that's holding you back from being who God created you to be. You're called to believe that the Holy Spirit can change you from what you've been in the past. The only reason your past defines you is because you've not trusted God. You've not given your hurt to God. You've not confessed to someone your past. God can free you. But you don't believe that. The enemy's winning over you. You may have a lot of education. You may know that you could do so much more professionally. But right now, you're called to love some babies, whether it's sitting back there or whether it's babies that are in your home or in your family. Right now, God's calling you to a who before he calls you to a do. You might be called to fight for a marriage when your spouse doesn't seem to care. You might be called to build a business that functions with integrity and honors God. You see, when, when I stand before God one day, he's not going to say to me, Doug, well done, my good and important servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and busy servant or my good and rich servant. What are the words that I hope to hear from God? Well done, my what? Good and faithful servant. You are called by God, and it's not a game. Church isn't an add-on. It's not something you do like you watch a sermon every now and then or you show up every now and then. You're called to reflect the glory of God in all that you do. And I'm betting if you woke up tomorrow morning and you realize that you've been called by God, uniquely created, empowered, set aside by, to live a holy life, to become like Jesus, I think that would impact how you live Monday morning and Tuesday. I think, the, I think you would make a difference in this world because it's a who, not a do. Success isn't accomplishing something big and significant out there in the future. Here, let me give you the definition of success. Success is being faithful to Jesus when? Today. So let's end as we began with our theme verse for this whole series, Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I'm begging you people. I'm begging you new lifers to live a life worthy of the calling, for you've been called by God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you, God, that... Um, we have a place where we can go and we can worship you in spirit and in truth.
God, may we never neglect your word, which teaches us we've been called to live a life worthy of Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. Teach us what that means over these next few weeks. God, I cannot wait for Mount Olive to come and and worship with us. I'm so excited to see my friends from Lake Charles. I pray that you anoint Pastor Harris even now, Lord, that the message he comes is designed by you for us through your servant, Braylon Harris. I pray for their traveling mercy. I pray that, that God, this is, this is just the beginning of a relationship that lasts for years between our churches. And I pray, God, that you teach us what it means to follow you and to live a life worthy of the calling. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.